Well, welcome to another episode of the Leadership Download. My name is Cameron, co-host of the podcast, and we hope you've been enjoying our podcast reflection for the last 50 episodes. Travis and I have pulled some episodes that we've reflected on um, both last week and and this episode uh, of those podcasts that were very popular, um, that we got really good feedback on. We had some awesome special guests, awesome teachings that Travis and I had put together. So we hope you enjoy uh, today's episode of the Leadership Download Podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to part one or watched part one, you can catch us on uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Uh, check out our website, theleadershipdownload.com. And uh, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms. Um, Travis and I have really some exciting stuff coming in for the 2023 new year. Um, so we hope you've enjoyed our content. Um, and here we go with part two of our 50 episode uh, reflection. Thank you. So for, our, so for our next clip, we're excited to share a little piece of our interview with uh, speaker and trainer Max Story. Max Story has been a uh, leadership trainer, speaker in the blue-collar workforce field for the last uh, six or seven years and has really become a, a great friend and a, a great mentor. Um, and it just, just has a ton of resources and provides a lot of resources and uh, writes a lot of books and is just a great person to uh, connect with and as you're going to see in this clip, he, he he adds value quickly and adds value often. Cameron, roll the clip. Being a high-impact leader the way I talk about it, the reason that's important is because high-impact leaders value other people. And, you know, being being a leader, is it's not about me, but it starts with me. Just like today. I, I, it ain't about me today here speaking with you, but I promise you it started with me because I had to start working on me to get in front of you. But relative to me having a team, if I'm leading leading a team, those people have to feel valued. And to me, there's no better way to to feel valued or to value a leader than if that leader is trying to help you have a better life. And part of what I teach is always it's not just about work. I mean, whenever I speak about leadership inside of a company, I talk as much or more about how much it's going to help you at home. And I talk and I tell the, the leaders I'm teaching and training, trying to develop. If you will just focus on helping your people live a life where they can have a better life at home, you can't hardly run them off. And, and y'all probably know, I don't know you, your, your background where you worked your entire life, but you probably worked in places where you wish some people would leave. They don't even like working there and you can't run them off. Yeah. You, you, you can't run off a bad person. Try to run, try running off somebody who loves the leader. And you know, love's a word that don't get thrown around a lot in the blue collar industries. We always try to act like we tough and hard and crusty and, got this big defense up and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, that's what it is. High impact leadership is nothing more than servant leadership. But again, some people don't like that word. But mm -hmm. it's, if you know what servant leadership is, it's the same exact thing. I just use a word that applies to everybody because I'm all about influence. So I don't want to use a word that will turn some people off and help some people. I try to use everything I teach. I try to teach it in a way that anybody would want to embrace mm -hmm. it. No matter what your political belief is, where you come from, how you live your life, it doesn't matter. All you got to do is value character and you'll like what I'm talking about. Man, I love that clip. You know, one of the things I love about Max's story is he says he doesn't speak English. He speaks country. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy to be around, but it, what he says is so true. If you, if you, uh, too often today, uh, companies are so focused on just getting the, getting the work done, reaching the bottom, get, you know, making the bottom line. Uh, and they're not focused on helping that person develop and have a better life. I mean, today, you know, millennials and in, in this younger generation, they're, they're different than their their parents were. They want more than just to collect a paycheck. They want more than that. They want their their work to matter, and they want they want to have that opportunity to develop and to and they want their work to be a key part of their their growth. and And that's just a a mindset shift that's going to take um, could you know people who are making that shift quick, like you know the people that Max Story works with. Uh, that are that are getting on board, they're going to be uh, ahead of the game. And then the people who who can't get on board or are delayed getting on board, you know, they're going to be the ones that are figuring this out after the fact. So I mean, it's a, you know, love when you can when you can have employees that know that are, they're genuinely cared for, they will they will go the extra mile for you. They will protect your your investment. They will do those things, but. Oftentimes we we don't communicate that well, so we don't get that kind of commitment back. Yeah, Travis and um, team members and employees they have a good read of their leaders. They know if that that leader is genuine or just uh, there to collect a paycheck. Um, you know, do their um, you know sometimes not even eight hours, six hours, and get out and be out the door by three p.m. or something like that. They know who's there to to fight for them and there for them. And really, the support of of the either the company or location. Uh, so the next clip we're gonna we're gonna uh, reflect on is with Amanda Wolf. She's in the human resources uh, sector uh, with the company, and uh, in this discussion, we talked about the different generations in the workforce and what importance uh, that is uh, for today. It's amazing that you, we just went through that in you know, just a few minutes. And my first instinct is to say, that's like when we started with the, you know, back with, you know, the beginning with the baby boomers, and now we end up with Gen Z, that, that's, that's day and night mm-hmm. difference of what's important. And yet all four of these uh, generations have to coexist in, in, in a workforce. Um, and obviously stating up front, that's, that's not an easy challenge to overcome by a long shot. What are some of the things that you're seeing companies do that do it well as far as being able to motivate a multi-generational uh, workforce? I think the companies that, that manage this well are the companies that lean in, right? Understanding that these differences are there. Um, first and foremost, leveraging the strengths because they all have strengths. And just like you've heard um, companies talk about you know, diversity and inclusion and, and belonging, that pertains to generations just as much as it does to multicultural uh, workforces. So having that diversity of thought, diversity of influence, diversity of background, um, that's all going to make a big difference in an organization. One of the things that I like to tell people is, you know, although this is very generalized when we talk about generations, everybody is an individual and everybody comes to the table differently. So even though you might be born within the space of a millennial, you might not relate as much to the millennial groups, right? Um, If you think about a commute to work, everybody gets there from a different vantage point. 
one person might ride their bike, then it's a short ride, it's a beautiful day, their blood's pumping. Somebody else might take, uh, you know, the I-4 freeway, they almost had an accident, it was traffic, they're very stressed. When you think about all of them coming to that morning meeting, they're all coming from a very different space. And just coming in and understanding that, learning about it, and asking questions is going to be really key in making that transition and being able to get that group to work cohesively together. Pause, pause. See. Well, this one is a really interesting discussion that we had um, because it's it's so important to recognize the traits of each of the generations in the workforce and really cherish and value them and help it work towards the growth and development of your company. Because I think if we cancel a generation, uh, now use that word cancel, but um, if we cancel a generation or don't value certain generations, um, our, our companies are, are, are not going to or our teams are not going to be working as effectively. It's when we value the traits and understand where they're coming from and their backgrounds. Um, that's that's when we start to create that, um, I would say that type of inclusive environment and really cherishing the uh, diversity. Yeah, it's interesting. I just uh, recently read a book um, called, called A New Kind of Diversity by Tim Elmore, and he really leans into this idea of um, diversity in generations in the workforce. And currently he says there are eight generations living on this planet right now. And five of them are in the workforce and, and no time in our history have we seen this big of a gap or where there's this many uh, different generations, different styles of looking at life in the workforce. So someone who is just recently starting to get their feet wet, you know, maybe recently out of college or right, you know, out of high school, trying to get in the workforce for the first time, sees the world completely different than that person who is in their 60s and, and, and on their way to retirement, or maybe they're a little older than that and still working. They've seen life from such a different perspective. And, you know, one of the things that I thought was so interesting, and, you know, we, we will probably talk about this in the you know in podcasts or in, you know, some training materials in the future is that, you know, um, there are so many things that we can do to connect the generations. And there's one of those things that he he shares in that book that I'll share with you guys as we kind of, you know, talk about this would be, you know, um, something that Jack Welch from, you know, former CEO of GE always did with his and uh, his his uh, executive team was they did something called reverse mentoring. And reverse mentoring was that a basically a a 55 year old executive would would be set up to be mentored by someone who's maybe 23 and in the tech you know on the tech side of the company and what they would do is 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 you know the, this younger person who's coming in and you know probably knows how to use a computer better probably understands the technology better would spend time mentoring this older employee on how how to use the technology and, and really winning them over to it but on the flip side of it, you know, that you, that younger employee would be mentored by the older employee on saying, hey, I've been in this industry for 35 years. Let me tell you how to survive this industry. Um, and, and when we begin to do that, we very quickly start to find that while we we may see the world differently, we all we we generally have a lot more in common than we have different. So um, I think this is something that we we will we, we'll, we wanted to work to expand on in the future in, in our different endeavors. So. 
Great clip, Cameron. Yeah. All right. So our next um, video that we're going to podcast that we're going to reflect on is a teaching that Travis and I did on uh, we is greater than me and why that's so important in uh, leadership. And your effectiveness is really not what you do, but it's truly in the people that you lead. And that is your team. Um, when you lead a team, you are the catalyst that mobilizes your people. You are the ones that drive kind of what what they do uh, on a day to day. Yeah, I think this is a, a, a major transition we make in, in leadership is when we go from being that kind of solo contributor to being that uh that team that team leader um is is understanding that it's no longer about uh how how hard i can work or or how much value that it's it's now about you know how can i best challenge my team how can i best foster a uh, a community with my team to to get the best production to do the best work um it's a complete shift in, in thinking when we go from that, you know, that, that seat where we're just, it's all about us and how much, how hard we can work to now we're responsible for a team of contributors that get us across the finish line. It's a, it's a definitely a different dynamic to uh, what we have to do. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, once again, another great, another great clip from, um, some of our teaching that we did in the past, but you know, the, the principles still, the, the idea behind what we were talking about, you know, the, the idea of shifting from single contributor to, to, to leader of people, you know, this is something that I believe um, a lot of people struggle with in this idea that you you're going from this, you're going from really just being concerned about yourself that now you're leading a team and you're, you're concerned about everyone on the team and you're, you're managing emotions, you're managing people's lives and you're dealing not just with your problems, but the problems of your team. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge and we have to realize that, that there is that shift that we have to make in our mindset. And, and oftentimes I've seen so many people, they do so well as a single contributor because they really know how to put their head down and do work. But what they don't know how to do, they don't know how to then, lead a team they don't know how to then motivate other individuals it's two completely different animals and, and so when i talk to people and when, and when I, you know when i see people being promoted into positions the first question i ask myself generally is you know what is you know why are we promoting this individual do they have the strengths and the abilities to motivate to be able to to persuade to be able to connect and influence the people on their team or are they being promoted just simply because they are they 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 know how to do the job well those are two different things and often are often are mistakes that we we see from hiring people who hire you know hiring managers you know making that a, that a very uh potentially deadly assumption when it comes to trying to hire yeah travis i think it's also uh when we're talking about this we is greater than me is really it starts with your why your why as a leader and why you want to strive towards growth and development into a leader or various leadership positions. Um, because it's very well known, you know, um, if it's for selfish reasons to make a higher salary, to get that company car, to have those additional benefits and things like that. Um, I wouldn't say it's not necessarily going to work out, but you probably won't be as effective as a leader. But when you have that mindset, 
where you have a why where it's uh whether it's to make impact to help people to develop people um you have more meaning in the in the uh day-to-day work that you do uh and you're able to add value to people so next up we have probably one of our favorite uh interviews that we've ever done with is with dr sam chan and uh, he's just a uh a leadership uh juggernaut in the industry of just teaching and and you know being a thought leader in the space of leadership so without further ado let's roll this clip i would say i've had hundreds literally hundreds of one-on-one conversation with leaders around the world and i've distilled from that curated from there three major changes that have taken place uh one is our very environment has changed number two is we as leaders have changed you have changed and number three the people around you have changed so the environment has changed you have changed and the people around you have changed a new normal means that whatever used to be we tweaked it to our present realities and that becomes a new normal I would prefer calling it a new reality. That's your new reality, not a new normal, but a new reality. And I don't want to get too deep into that earlier part of this podcast, but I just think that we have been focusing so much on how the industry has changed, how management has changed, how organizations have changed, how our deliverables have changed, how delivery systems have changed, how our drivers have changed. But the real issue is you have changed. Your assumptions have changed. Your way of thinking have changed. Your decision making has changed. So until so it all emanates from you, the leader who's watching me or listening to me right now. The real question for us to wrestle with is how have I changed? And we know life is about two things, right? It's about self-awareness and self-management self-awareness self-management and i think a lot of people are aware of the business aware of their ecosystems but not as self-aware as to what is going on and if you're not self-aware you cannot manage yourself well that that was very interesting this was uh by sam chand he was uh, reflecting on a book that he wrote called uh, change has changed and i think he touched on something really good there talking about how we have changed and you know all the change that he's talking about is through um the the pandemic over the last couple of years and how that's changed our environments but he's talking about really here uh self-awareness and that's really key in in leadership is really understanding how you are evolving as a leader, what is are some areas that you need to work on, areas that you thrive in, and how do you get the help in the areas that you um, struggle in or need some development in? Is it something that maybe you pass on to uh, another leader that, that, um, that does well in an area that you may not be as, as tech savvy in or, or something of that nature? Uh, but being self-aware, I think oftentimes as as leaders, from what I've seen in my experience, is some leaders try to do everything. They try to be the person that knows it all. And the reality is, is we can't be the know-it-all. We have to focus on what we're good in and build a team where um, they can support in, in areas that we, we don't necessarily thrive in. Yeah, I think the interesting thing I, I would add here is that, you know, we are, you know, a couple of years out of the pandemic now, and this was recorded kind of in the middle of the pandemic. And 
when things were still really un, a lot of uncertainties and the book was very uh it was very timely for the time at that at that moment but but you know there's a lot of things that have shifted because of the pandemic i mean look at the the income shifts that's happened since the pandemic look at the the uh expectations of what a work life looks like you know a lot of people um, lost jobs and, and, you know, maybe they were a second income in the house and suddenly they realized, well, you know, we can make it on one income and they'd rather stay home with their children. So we lost a, a, a fraction of the workforce that just for this, because they were going to stay home and, uh, be a stay at home and parent. And we, we shifted in so many ways, but there's something interesting here that I figured I, I've, I've seen is as I've talked to people and I don't know if you've seen this too, Cameron, there is still a very large section of the business world and uh, that has refused to identify this change. They've refused to accept this as the truth. This is this is the new reality, and they're still trying to live within that old reality. And and once again, as we've kind of talked about throughout, uh, you know, all of our podcasts is you know. The name of the book that Sam Chan wrote was Change Has Changed. And, and that the reality behind that is we have to be have the agility. And, and I think that's going to be a word that you're going to we're going to hear a lot about in coming, you know, now. And we're going to hear it in the future of, you know, what makes a great leader, what makes a great manager, what makes a great uh, employee is people who have agility, the, the ability to to change the way they do things quickly. Not not compromise values, but change the way they do things quickly, and they're okay with with things changing around them. Um, and and people who continue to live in a world that believes nothing has changed or things can continue to stay the same, they're going to they're going to slowly become less and less relevant in the world. All right, our next podcast is uh, with a special guest that we had, uh, Don Overcash. Um, Vice Mayor of the City of Loveland in Colorado. And here we talked about uh, the topic of success regardless of outcome. We, we, we focus on the wrong thing. We're focused on the performance of our role. We're worried about what others think of us. Uh, we're worried about what we think of ourselves, but with the wrong criteria. And so then we start acting in a manner that's beyond our control. Because we're focused again on the wrong element. We're focused again on our roles. And, and people are focused more on their roles than they get their identity from their role. You know, they're MVP, they hit 350, they win the Super Bowl, they get the contract, they, they uh, hit the bottom line at the top line and the bottom line with their numbers. And, and they lose, and, and that's, you know, when you play that game, you lose a lot. You don't know who you are. You haven't defined yourself. You're going to be driven by, naturally, there's a void there, and you're going to be driven by what others think of you. Now, it's important what others think of you, but what's important is not what they think of you, but why they think of you in a particular manner. And, and we miss that. You know, we, we take the applause, we, we go for the awards, but we're really forgetting to develop and identify that inner self that becomes your lens upon how you view the world, take information in, and then and work within the world, within our culture. And Don has a lot of good things in this in this clip. You know, he, he talks a lot about, you know, uh, being comfortable, basically being comfortable with yourself, you know, 
Um, you know, I think this is something that we all experience being that we're still, you know, young and, and impressionable in a lot of ways. And it's something that I have not, I have not figured it out. I have not, uh, you know, figured, you know, found the, the magic solution to this problem. But, but I do recognize that oftentimes my decision-making is not driven by, um, what's best for me or what's best for my family or what's best for, um, you know, what, what we might, my goals or my dreams, it, it's often driven by what other people are saying. You know, we, you know, we all have aspirations and goals and oftentimes we will be, we will be, uh, talked out of our, even attempting those things simply because, um, someone else on the, someone else, a friend, a family member, someone else is, is, is speaking their opinion of you and, and you're taking it and, and making it a fact. Uh, so I think oftentimes we have to be very careful who we allow to speak into our lives, who we allow to have uh, room in our in our in our head. You know, who are we allowing to to really rule our our thinking? Um, we need to be very selective in that process. Mm -hmm. And then Don touched on you know not letting work define who you are, whether it's your title, your position, what you do, um, is really understanding your why and why you're there. Um, you know, if, if we get wrapped up into having work define who we are, we almost lose ourselves. And then we, we don't have any clarity on who we are as, as individuals. And I think this is more common in younger generations where they're driven to kind of climb up the ladder and that that's all they're focused on. But the reality is uh, there's more to it. Travis, you mentioned family. Um, you mentioned um there, there are other aspects to life than, than just what we do for work on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, absolutely. All right. For, so for our next clip, we, we jump into a teaching that we did ourselves on being a self-aware leader. Cameron, roll the clip. The idea here is seeing is yourself early days vital for effective leadership. As a leader, if you lack self-awareness, you may know how to do leadership, but you won't know how to lead. I mean, if you don't know the ins and outs of yourself, it, you you won't be able to lead well. And it really goes back to that, you know, something we've talked about before, Cameron, you know, is the hardest person will ever lead is not anyone on our team. It's not anyone that, uh, you know, it's not a customer we'll ever have to deal with. It's, it's not a situation we'll ever have to deal with. It's ourselves. The biggest challenge is the person we wake up and look at in the mirror every morning. So one of the greatest ways to, you know, people, I talk to people often and, you know, how can I improve my leadership? How can I get better? Well, the primary thing we can do right at the beginning, even before you're leading another person is learn to lead yourself well. Um, and, and sometimes we try to, as leaders, and I've experienced this myself, is where we try to, sugarcoat things and and act like we know it all and act like we we excel in all areas but in reality we don't we all have our uh we all are different we all have our own struggles we all have our own strengths and i think if we work towards being self-aware of our weaknesses um and we lean on people that we trust um it's it's going to help us develop a good team and also develop our character as a leader. Yeah, this was a this was another great clip, man. I mean, we really uh, this was early, this was in the early days of the podcast, and 
uh, man, how things have changed. But, um, you know, this is something that I'm oft, always trying to reflect on for myself is, is trying to be as self-aware as possible. You know, the reality is um, if someone comes to you and says that they're, oh, I'm very self-aware, they're delusional. There's, it, it is very hard to be very, to be self-aware, to be completely in tuned to how you are perceived by others if you never have an interaction you're never asking those questions so my go-to and this has always been you know something that i i heard many years ago um that i just think is so so vital to ask is is when, when you've built relationships with people don't hesitate to ask the questions of you know what is it like to be on the other side of me what is it like to to interact with me you know what are the negatives what are the positives what do i need to work on what can i change because you can get some of your awareness for yourself, but your most of your self-awareness, the strength that you're going to be able to produce is going to come through listening to others provide you feedback, listening to others give you uh, advice and give you wisdom back. So we want to make sure that we are, as we're trying to become more self-aware, that we're taking the time to pause and listen to what others have to say. Yeah, Travis, that's so important with the relationships and and, you know, yeah, we might be self-aware, but really it's those people that we truly um, have developed that trust. They could be in, in our teams. They could be outside of our work environments, um, but people that we rely on to to help us, uh, you know, give us that feedback that we really need, because uh, it is those people whose feedback that you're going to value and really help with that self-awareness, because you're going to take that feedback uh, very seriously, whether it validates what you think of yourself, or uh, maybe it, it's an area that you weren't aware of that that um, that you need uh, to uh, pay attention to. So the next podcast, uh, we're, we're coming here to the end, but the uh, next podcast we're going to be reflecting on is when uh, Travis and I did a, a podcast on uh, looking for a mentor and why mentorship is so important and things that you should look into when talking about looking for a mentor well mentoring is so important because um you know kind of growing up in, within the aviation industry um so many people surrounded me that they were mentors for me um as i kind of pursued growth and i learned different things from each of the, my mentors and now now that you know i'm kind of in a good leadership position is I seek mentorship to seek, you know, wise counsel from people that are way ahead of me. And I find that very valuable because I want to continue to grow. You know, uh, I like where I am and, uh, but I want to grow and be more intellectual and get wiser. And uh, mentorship really helps me um, pursue that. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, I have found that, uh, <clears throat> Finding good mentors is a, a way to uh, expedite your your ability to move faster in your career and in your life. You know, um, I once uh, heard someone say, I think it was um, Tony Robinson say that, you know, his goal when he meets successful people or when he interacts with mentors is to take, you know, 20, 30 years of experience and condense it no down plan. to no you know, a couple of days, you know, all that they've they someone's built up over a lifetime, 
they can impart, you know, a good chunk of that wisdom in you over a shorter period of time, which means that you're not making some of the same mistakes that, that they made. You're almost have the cheat notes in some cases of being able to navigate through a uh, tough situation. So yeah, on th- in this clip, man, we did, we, we really lean in onto the, uh, you know, the idea of mentorship. And I, I think every single one of us, you know, me and you, Cameron, especially, we are a product of mentorship. You know, we're a product of um, being able to stand on the shoulders of people who have been, you know, gone before us and, and done great things and, and learned, you know, and a lot of people, one of the things that I've really leaned into recently, um, you know, a lot of people spend, spend significant amounts of money, you know, to get access to individuals to be able to, you know, have dinners or, you know, interact with, with, with certain people. But, you know, we, we have an opportunity in a lot of cases, and you can see all the books stacked behind me. Um, you know, if, if mentorship is not something, if you don't have uh, that ability to have that, that connection or that ability to have the, the, the closeness to these individuals, then you, you can be mentored through people through books. You could be mentored through people through podcasts, audio, audio teaching, videos, YouTube. There's so many things out there. There really is no excuse for anyone to come back and say that they have never been had an opportunity to be mentored. You could be mentored completely from free uh, through YouTube these days. If you would just find the right, the right person who's producing content and just follow what they're doing and listen to what they have to say, um, you can you can get a lot of wisdom just gleaning that way. Not to mention the people that you physically have in your life as well, that that will mentor you. Yeah, yeah, Travis. The mentorship is like what made us where we are today, and what helps us um, really along our, our journey. Um, it's you need mentors, whether it's through a book, uh, from, from learning from people that are way ahead of you that are successful executives you know there's several leadership books out there where you can learn from get an insight of people's mindsets of of certain leaders that um are world renowned out there but then leaning on people that are in your life um that are well of you at the same level um you know it could be a few steps ahead of you um there are various advantages of of having a variety of mentors uh in your life um because i think through my experience having one mentor you kind of get a biased view and then you often take on that mindset which sometimes may not be what you need i think it's learning from different different perspectives and then you pretty much uh you know take the those bits and kind of learn from a variety of different perspectives yeah, I think I think one thing you, that you said there is important, and and this is something that I think a lot of people get confused about when they say, "Hey, I, I you know I want to be mentored, or I'm looking for a mentor." You know, the person who mentors me spiritually is not the person who mentors me when it comes to career decisions or uh, mentors me from a, on leadership. Um, you know, those people are those are two separate people because. The strengths, you want to be mentored by someone who has strengths in the areas in which you're being mentored. So one person is not going to be a, it's not a one-shop stop for everything. It's not a Walmart of mentoring. It's, it's you're going to have to go out there and find people who, you know, maybe have a strength in business or have a strength in communication 
or have a strength in decision making. And then you're going to resource them to be able to help you um, get, get you ahead. And, and, and I love what that, 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 that quote that we used in this clip, the quote that uh, from Tony Robbins is such a, such a great uh, mentality. When you go into these mentorship, uh, uh, you know, these times and you're interacting with people, your goal should be to take, you know, what they've learned and can, and, and take all the mistakes they've made over 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And you can condense that. And then you can jump, literally over all of that and navigate around all the bad decisions they had to go through to get where they are to, to be able to get there faster, to get there more efficiently and to do, to do more work. So um, great. It's always important. Mentorship is such a huge part of, of both of our lives. And our final podcast is with Pasquale Ragusio. Um, Him and I, we had a great conversation on creating positive change, a great mentor of mine. And this podcast gained a lot of great feedback and a lot of great discussion. Uh, so here we go with uh, my discussion with Pasquale. Typically, a culture starts with the head, right? The head person it could be the CEO, could be a director, could be a general manager. They, they start that feeling. Yeah. They start. They're the ones that are initiating that energy that other people are going to feel. So I've walked into some situations where the first thing I did is I just talked to people. Right? It always starts with people and one by one call people up and, or have them meet me in my office or meet them somewhere. And just ask them some questions like, hey, how are you doing? What are you feeling? What are we doing wrong here? What can we do better? Like, what are your ideas? And just having a simple conversation like that really makes people perk up. It's like, wait, hold on. You care what I think? Like, you want to know what my opinion is? I'm yeah. just a, an hourly frontline employee. Well, no, you're not. You're a really important cog in this wheel, just like everybody else is. Uh, but I want to know what your opinion is. And ever, after having all those conversations, you get the general con consensus of what the culture is, right? And then the change piece, right? Now, as the leader, what do you want to change? Is there are people in the wrong positions? Are they not being guided the right way as leaders? Are they not given the tools to succeed? And again, I've walked into situations where some of the leaders were not in the right roles. They shouldn't have been leaders, right? They, or, or they were promoted because of politics or they were the right person. They just didn't have an idea how to do it. Um, but really to, to define, you know, change again, it, it's changing the feeling. It's changing the perception amongst a large group of people uh, and really getting their buy-in and understanding what direction you're heading in and proving to them right and really not necessarily selling them but proving to them through your actions that what you say you're going to do you actually do and right. once it starts to once that momentum starts to build people start to buy in and they're like wait this person's for real like they're not just talking because they want to talk like they really care they want to see things better let me listen more let me hear more let me provide more feedback people that never would speak up before would start to speak up now Right. So it's, it's a it's a, a group of people coming together to say, I believe I want to follow. I crave leadership. Tell me what I need to do. I want to be part of something bigger. And then you watch that feeling that I talked about before start to change. You know, I really like this clip because I, I think, you know, Pascal really leans on something that we we really miss in the uh, in, in, in almost any industry today. 
um, you know, we miss the the idea of stopping and asking the opinion of the of the front line. You know, I, there's there's a saying that says, you know, problems are best solved closest to the issue. You know, if you really look at like our federal government and the, just the issues we have, it's it's because oftentimes problems are trying to be solved at the highest level instead at the lowest level. You know, there's issues that could be probably pretty rapidly solved if it was given to a, a county, a county manager or someone in leadership that, um, you know, is was local who knows the exact issues that need to be met or need to be fixed. But oftentimes we we look to a, a GM or a, a, v, a vice president or we look to someone who's above that to try to solve these problems. And they're they're too far away from the issues in when we when we begin so so just from a problem solving perspective alone reaching out and connecting with the front line is is a key piece to our success what comes along with that is the benefit of them the, of them seeing that you genuinely care about what they have to say what they can provide what wisdom they can provide and those are the keys to success that oftentimes are not used and this is this is very uh, this is free. This is this is doesn't cost us anything, and and oftentimes I have found in the past when especially when creating very uh, significant change in an organization is re- is happening or required, to sit down and listen to what the team has to say and al- allow them to provide their opinions to the situation and what they think should be we should do. And then ultimately, I have to make a decision, or a decision is made from what you know from the corporate level or whatever. Ultimately, they have a, they have more. There's a much higher chance of a positive um, change, you know, a positive transition, because the person may not feel that they may realize that their decision, the way they wanted things to go, did not go their way. But you took the time to stop and listen to what they had to say. And you strongly considered it. And and that usually will allow people to come along with you. Yeah. And with that um, is when you seek the advice <laughs> or you want to listen to your people, it's important that you value. You make them feel like they're what they said to you is valued. Because I've, I've experienced myself where I've, I've gone up to a leader and share my ideas and it's just shot down immediately. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are ways, there are different ways to, to, um, to, to avoid that. There are ways and not everything that your teams share with you, you're going to be able to do, but you want to explain why you're not able to do something and then provide other alternatives because you want to make sure that, um, everyone's voice, uh, is heard and that they feel like they're heard because then they're going to be willing to provide more feedback. I remember what takes me back to an experience of one of my roles where um, it was that back and forth feedback with the team. And that's the only way we were successful as a team uh, is where they became comfortable to bring up dumb ideas. Um, And sometimes they were dumb ideas, but if they were bright ideas, um, you know, we did something about it. And if they were dumb ideas, um, I explained to them that, you know, that's probably not the best route, but then you provide other alternatives like, hey, you brought up a good idea, but let's look at it this way. Um, so, and that's how, what change is all about. It's not about making these high level executive decisions just for, you know, to increase revenues or, you know, make your PL look good or, you know, 
whatever corporate decisions are being made, it's it's all about the people when when uh, when talking about change because it's it's really truly affecting them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, man, this has been awesome. You know, getting to take a trip down memory lane and and seeing the first fifty episodes we produced, Cameron. It's been a uh, a great ride so far, and here's to fifty more. Yeah, Travis, uh, and really, you know, we hope this this content and what we're delivering to you, um, if you're listening or watching, it's, it's really added value in your leadership, wherever you're at, whether you're thinking about going into leadership, whether you are in leadership, whether you're looking just to develop yourself or, or learn more. Um, we really hope this continues to add value to you um, and we appreciate your support and engagement and um yeah, we look forward to delivering more content to you uh, in the many months and years to come. Yeah, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care, guys.